Maybe it's a source of mourning. Maybe it's a source of stress. Uh, God, just watch over those people this morning. And God, I pray that as we pray every single year, uh, especially at the beginning of the Christmas season, that we would keep the main character of the story, Jesus, front and center at all times, whether we do shopping or family trips or meals or parties, whatever it is, God, just help us to continually have our minds on your son, Jesus, the one who was born in a manger and eventually would die on our behalf. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the first role player that we're going to examine in this sermon series is Joseph. Now, think about it. Joseph typically doesn't get a whole lot of attention. After all, Joseph is with Mary, and she's clearly the better half of the two, right? I mean, many people have statues of Mary in their yard. You don't really see that so much with Joseph. Football has a play named after her. You never hear of football teams throwing a Hail Joseph at the end of the game. Mary gets all the publicity there. You see religious paintings of Mary. You don't really see any religious paintings of Joseph. In my own home, we recently bought Javen and Nolan a Christmas book that has little puzzle piece characters. And they can put them on different pages in the story. It included Joseph, it included Mary, a donkey, two sheep, and baby Jesus. The one person that Nolan chewed on was Joseph. He's the one person who has part of his head gone. Joseph doesn't get any of the credit. So there's a lot in the New Testament about Joseph that's actually very important. A lot that's very helpful as we try to find out who this guy actually is. For example, consider other passages in the New Testament outside of Matthew 1 and 2, where we'll be this morning. Consider a passage like Matthew chapter 13. That's where Matthew will tell us that Joseph was a carpenter. People, when they see Jesus, they refer to Jesus as the carpenter's son. Now, carpentry back then was a blue-collar trade. It was the kind of trade where Joseph would work with his hands. He probably had plenty of scars from years of building things. But even though it was blue-collar, the carpenter would have been considered a very important part of the community. After all, carpentry is a very useful skill set today, much less way back then. So while people would surely appreciate Joseph, they saw him as valuable, they know he made valuable contributions, it's still a blue-collar job. And you don't become a carpenter if you're trying to get rich. You might compare carpentry back then to being a teacher today. Teaching is a profession that many people value, as they should. Pretty much all of us would say it's important to our community, it's important to our society, it's a respectable and good profession. But at the same time, being a teacher is never going to make you a millionaire. The same can be said of Joseph the carpenter. On top of that, the Gospels imply that Joseph died relatively early in Jesus' life. During Luke chapter 2 incident, where the 12-year-old Jesus gets accidentally left behind in Jerusalem, Joseph is there. Now, before you think they're bad parents, it was probably a large group of people. Traveling back then was probably more stressful than it is today. It was probably just miscommunication, kind of like Home Alone, where they're all getting on the vans to go to the airport, and they think everybody's there, but they're not. It was an honest mistake. Joseph is there when that happens. When Jesus is 12, 
But then when Jesus begins his ministry around the age of 30, Joseph isn't there. So it's safe to assume that sometime in that 18-year stretch of time, Joseph died. And we really have no idea how. And then thirdly, that story we just referenced in Luke chapter 2, it indicates that Joseph truly did love Jesus. In that passage, Mary says that she and Joseph were in great distress when they couldn't find Jesus on the way home. And they go back home to Jerusalem and find him. Joseph apparently loved Jesus enough to be concerned about him. To not just say, eh, you know what, he's 12, he's got a brilliant mind, he's in Jerusalem, there's lots of people there, he'll be fine. No. Joseph loved Jesus enough to turn around and go back and get him. Could the same be said of us with all of our kids? Maybe not. So, that's what we learn about Joseph in the rest of the New Testament, but Now I want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, the main source of information this morning. If you're following along, this will be in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So the story begins with Mary betrothed to Joseph. And we don't use that word a lot today, betrothed. Back then, betrothed meant that they weren't quite married yet. They haven't consummated their marriage. It says they haven't come together. But they're also more than just what we would call engaged. It's somewhere in between the two. Back then, the betrothal commitment was serious enough to go ahead and start referring to Joseph As her husband. That's how serious the commitment was. It was serious enough to call the end of the betrothal a divorce. So while they don't have all the rights and all the privileges of marriage yet, Mary and Joseph are definitely more than just engaged. It's deeper and more serious than that. But in the process of their betrothal, Mary gets pregnant. The Gospel of Luke tells us of the vision that she receives from the angel Gabriel. The Gabriel tells her that this baby really is from the Holy Spirit, that she really is still a virgin. Now, what would you do if you're Mary? You receive that vision. Who's the first person you're going to tell? You're going to go and tell Joseph. You're going to tell him everything you heard, everything God told you. And yet... From what we see in verse 19, it appears that Joseph doesn't believe her. Now, can you really blame Joseph when you think about it? I mean, can you imagine the water cooler conversation that Joseph would have to deal with? Joseph's friends come up to him and say, hey, uh, Joseph, man, I really don't know how to say this, but I think Mary's pregnant. And I know you guys are betrothed, but I also know that you guys haven't come together yet, so maybe you ought to just cut bait. I know it stinks hearing this. But then Joseph could respond, no, guys, it's cool. She's still a virgin. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. God told her. What do you think would happen to Joseph? He'd get laughed out of the room. As Joseph is hearing this news from Mary, he's facing significant pressure 
to end things or else end up looking like a total laughingstock. So Joseph decides to do the only thing he really can do. He decides to divorce her. Now, that being said, Joseph is a decent man. He plans to do it quietly. He doesn't want to put Mary through any more disgrace than she's already going to deal with. So far, Matthew presents Joseph as an upstanding guy who appears to have simply gotten burned by Mary. Let's move to verse 20. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So before Joseph can go through with the divorce, ending the betrothal, he receives a message of his own from God in a dream. This angel confirms Mary's story, that this baby really is from the Holy Spirit. Mary really is still a virgin. Mary really didn't cheat on you, Joseph. Joseph is referred to as a son of David, another important detail that we learn about. Joseph's got a great family line. Ironically, it's the family line that the Messiah is supposed to come from. But as far as action that the angel wants Joseph to take, he makes it clear. Joseph, God wants you to stay with Mary. Marry this woman. Don't end the betrothal. Stay with her. And as far as the baby is concerned, Joseph, you specifically, you are going to name him. And that's important because naming a child, that was a big deal back then, even bigger than it is today. For Joseph to be the one to name the baby, that's him symbolically embracing and adopting this baby as his son even though deep down he knows that he's not the true father. And as the angel tells him, the name Jesus essentially means God saves. All of this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The virgin shall be with child, and they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. It becomes very clear to Joseph very early on that this is no ordinary pregnancy, and this would not be any ordinary baby. So, stepping back for just a moment, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Everything he's heard has got to be an absolute whirlwind. As far as he's concerned, the process, the timeline of events that we've just read, is that his betrothed cheats on him and gets pregnant. He decides to divorce her despite her seemingly ridiculous excuse. Then an angel tells him to stay with her because the baby is from God and Mary really is still a virgin. The angel tells him to take this baby, name him and raise him like your own, because one day he's going to save Israel from their sins. That's like drinking from a fire hose. If you're Joseph, imagine having to take all that in. Now, surely Joseph has questions. Surely Joseph has doubts. 
Surely he knows that, okay, if I really obey God on this, I'm going to be the laughing stock of the community. Everyone's going to think I'm a total sucker for staying with Mary. And yet, what does he do? Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So what does Joseph do? He simply obeys God. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't fight back. He simply obeys. In spite of the seemingly impossible situation that God has put him in, Joseph obeys. The baby would be born in Bethlehem, the city of Joseph's ancestors. Ironically, the city that the Old Testament said the Messiah would come from. Presumably, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus stay in Bethlehem for some time outside of a short trip to Jerusalem to dedicate the baby in the temple. They go back to Bethlehem. They're visited by shepherds and wise men who we'll talk about next week. Now, after the shepherds and wise men leave, maybe Joseph is thinking, you know, things have been a little weird to start out. This is not your average first baby, but maybe things will finally go back to normal now. I'm here. Mary's here. The baby's here. We're all healthy. We're all happy. Now we can just be a normal family. Well, it turns out that the story is just beginning. Look at verse 13 of Matthew chapter 2. Now, when they had departed, that's referring to the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So just like Matthew 1, it all starts with a dream that Joseph has. This time around, the dream is an urgent warning. The paranoid King Herod has heard that a new king has been born close by, and Herod's not the kind of guy to share his throne. So he decides that he's going to have Jesus taken out. Joseph is told to take Mary, take Jesus, flee to Egypt. Now, lots of people back then would flee to Egypt if there was danger in Rome. And lucky for Joseph, Egypt was welcoming refugees. So... They leave under the cover of night. And just like last time, as I'm sure Joseph is overwhelmed, he's got to have questions. He's got to have doubts. At this point, he's probably fearing for his safety and his family's survival. And yet, what does he do? Just like last time, Matthew 1, he simply obeys. This, just like Matthew 1, Fulfills a prophecy from the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 11. Out of Egypt I called my son. You know, Moses came out of Egypt. So does Jesus. It's almost like the same thing is happening again. God's people are being delivered. Now again, you think about Joseph. 
it was probably a hard enough test of faith for him to accept the birth of Jesus. That was enough of a challenge. Back then, God put him in a situation of being mocked and being ridiculed. But now, this is a step up. This baby makes Joseph into a fugitive. You have to wonder at times like this, as they're traveling to Egypt by night, did Joseph ever stop and think to himself, you know what? Forget this kid. This kid really isn't even mine, if I'm honest about it. And yet, in spite of the mocking, in spite of the inconvenience, and in spite of what now is physical danger, what does Joseph do? He simply obeys God. Well, they're in Egypt now. They appear to be safe. Danger seems to be a long way away. Maybe now things can finally be normal, albeit in a different place than Joseph expected. They can be a normal family again. Well, wait, there's more. Verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. So for the third time, Joseph has a dream. At this point, he's got to be thinking, you know what? I need to drink more coffee because nothing good ever happens when I go to bed. But this time around, he's told to go home. Yes, I know you traveled here by night. Yes, I know you haven't been here all that long, really. But it's time for you to go home. Herod's dead now. You're safe. Now, that being said, Joseph's street smarts tell him to try and still stay under the radar. Because Herod's sons are in charge and... The apple often doesn't fall far from the tree. God would agree. So they're sent to Nazareth, a podunk town that kings and messiahs probably don't frequent a whole lot. Now, there's some debate about the prophecy that Matthew mentions here. Matthew 1, dream and prophecy. Matthew 2, dream and prophecy. Here again, dream and prophecy. The debate about the prophecy is that, to be honest, we really don't know where it comes from. But what the prophecy does show is that the Messiah, born in Bethlehem, just like people expected, a child of David, just like people expected, would come from a very unexpected place. The kind of town that Messiahs don't come from. The kind of town that Herod and his sons wouldn't look in. And yet again, as Joseph heard a message from God, same theme pops out. He simply obeyed. Surely he has questions, again. Surely he has doubts, again. Surely he's tired of moving from place to place. Surely he's dreading going to sleep. And yet, like he has so many times before, Joseph simply obeys. So, 
as we look at a guy like Joseph, where Matthew pretty much drops him out of the story at the end of chapter 2. What do we learn from him? Well, we learn a few things. Number one, God often calls the most normal, unsuspecting people into his mission. You know, Joseph probably thought to himself, wait a minute, dreams, messages, prophecies. How did I get dragged into this? I'm just a carpenter. What does this have to do with me? Well, maybe God is calling you into a similar message. Maybe God is calling you, even though you're unsuspecting, even though you think you're normal. You think to yourself, wait a minute, I just sell insurance. Or I just work in finances. Or I'm just a mechanic. Or I'm just retired. Or I have health issues. Or I'm too young. Or I'm too old. Or I'm a teacher. Or I'm a stay-at-home mom. You might think you're normal and unsuspecting. And God really doesn't want to use someone like you. Well, Joseph may have thought the exact same thing. After all, he's just a carpenter. Another thing we learn about Joseph is that he is an incredible example of faith. An incredible example of trust. All the things that Joseph did, staying with Mary... Adopting the baby as his own? Fleeing to Egypt under the cover of night? None of those things are easy. All of them are an act of faith and trust. Another thing we learn from Joseph, maybe the biggest theme of the morning, is that Joseph is an example of simple obedience. He's repeatedly put in impossible situations. And despite the questions and the doubts and the fears and the inconveniences, even the physical danger, and maybe at times the desire to just get off this crazy roller coaster once and for all, in spite of all those things, he simply obeys. He simply does what God tells him to do. May the same be said of us. Joseph was a normal guy, going on about his life day by day, just trying to keep his head above water. He came from a good family. He had a decent job, small town. But Joseph trusted, and Joseph obeyed. And God used him for something much bigger than he could have ever imagined. And the truth is that you and I aren't that much different from Joseph in that regard. You may think that you're just a role player. There's nothing special about you. You're just trying to live day by day. Well, be careful. Because sometimes the role players are the ones that God calls into his mission. And in fact, if you're a follower of Christ right now, you've already been called into a mission that's far bigger than you could even imagine. God's called you into a mission to go and make disciples of all nations. Now the question is this. Despite your questions, your doubts, your fears, the inconveniences, maybe even the dangers. As God has called you into that mission, will you, like Joseph, trust? And will you, like Joseph, obey? Let's pray.
Father, we're thankful for your word. The little parts of it that sometimes we read over, the people that sometimes we don't pay a ton of attention to, and God, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for how you used him to accomplish your purposes. And God, I pray that you would use people like us to do the same thing today. We don't know what the future holds, but you do. We don't know what you have planned, but you do. And God, however you call role players like us to be a part of it, I pray that we would simply obey. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who was born in a manger to a virgin. But God, as we know, that's not the end of the story. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. And thank you for that day when he will return again. And we celebrate that return just as much as we celebrate his first coming at Christmas. We love you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Joseph is certainly a hero of the faith. He's someone that we should look up to. He's someone that we should admire. But as great as Joseph was, which he was a great guy, he's really not the hero. Again, the Gospels don't mince any words about who the hero of the story is in the end. And that hero is Jesus. So if you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the one who died and took your sin upon himself, I pray that you would make that decision this morning. Talk to one of our elders. They'll be happy to talk with you, pray with you, answer any questions that you have. Take advantage of that time as we sing this last song. And again, we're grateful that you chose to spend part of your Christmas season with us.